You're listening to Run With The Bulls, a podcast discussing a unique approach to everyday finance with everyday people. Run With The Bulls is sponsored by Mentoro, a financial wellness company. Now, your hosts, author Danny Kofke and the royalty of financial wellness, Whitney Queen. And he cried, there goes my life. Welcome to Run With The Bulls. My name is Danny Kofke and I'm a motivational mentor with Mentoro. I'm joined by the president of Mentoro, Whitney Queen. Hey, Whit. Hey, Danny, and hey to all of our listeners. There Goes My Life, a great song by Kenny Chesney. Danny, I know you recently lived the last part of that tune when your oldest uh, headed off to college, right? Yes, yes, I did. Um, the good thing is she isn't too far from home, so it wasn't too bad. And while I'm glad she's beginning to take those steps into adulthood, it took a lot of time and money to get to this point. In fact, the U.S. Department of Agriculture did a study, and guess how much they projected a middle-income family will spend raising a child from birth to age 17? Geez, I don't know. Sometimes when I hear from my brothers, you would think it's like, 17 million. Yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) Though, believe it or not, the average is $233,610. Yes, yes. I mean, you just think like, how in the world can anyone have kids? Right. Yeah. The, the amount. And, and, you know, and that's just up to 17. So that doesn't even include college. Right. It kind of gets them up to adulthood. But the great news is this does not happen all at once. Right. It doesn't. You have to like right when they're born. Here's two hundred thirty three thousand. No, 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 that, that's not the way it <laughs> is. Yeah. Yeah. Thank goodness. Preparing financially for a baby does take some planning. But parents do have time before and after a baby arrives to lessen the blow and to help. Today's episode is about financially preparing for a baby. So before jumping into these tips, can you tell us how you and Tracy prepared for your daughters? Yeah. So, um, you know, we were both at that time, we know, school teachers, and we knew that, you know, we felt strongly about Tracy being able to stay at home when we had children. So at that point, you know, who knows how many kids we were going to have, but just when we got married, we're like, okay, we're going to start setting money aside right now for when you do have kids eventually, you know, we had an idea in mind of when that was going to happen, but ultimately, you know, it's not, not necessarily always up to us. Right. Um, but, um, but we kind of had that idea in mind. So we just kind of tried to live off of one salary at that time to get used to it. Uh, I've told my story before we, we've, our first two years of marriage, we lived overseas in Poland, taught at an American international school there. But every single month we set money aside, even though we traveled and had fun, we set money aside for when we moved home. We had a two year contract. So anticipated moving home after two years. So after two years, we moved, we did move home and had money set aside to buy a house, buy a car, you know, and the car, we, we, house and car, we weren't able to buy outright, but be able to put like a lot of money down on them. But I will say probably, you know, for us going home, the big thing is, and this is where, you know, probably for most people, the biggest expense for most is the house. So at that time, once again, having an eye, like we were home for, you know, moved home after two years, we plan on having a baby like two years later. But knowing that, we couldn't have a huge mortgage, right? Because it would be very near impossible to live on a teacher's salary and have a huge mortgage and all these things. So we started off in a starter home. It was a true two-bedroom, two-bath, you know, small, like, I don't know, 1,400 square feet wasn't that big of a house. 
but the mortgage was very affordable for us. We were able to put a good sound down payment down. So we're like, okay, in those next two years before we had the baby while we were home, that's when we were like, okay, what would it look like just living on my salary alone? And we just did the best we could, you know, to, you know, every month we weren't able to do that, but just did that to build up our reserves of that emergency fund. And then um, two years later, Tracy ended up having Ava. And once again, at that point, we're like, okay, you'll stay home for one year and then we'll just see where we're at. Well, we were able to do it and we were still okay. You know, didn't have, uh, we had one car at that time. Um, I used to ride my bike to work some days, only only teacher with the bike at the bike rack, but uh, but school is like two miles away. So I knew, okay, this is doable. So Tracy can have the car. And then um, a couple years later we had Ella and we're like, you know, we still felt strongly about Tracy being able to stay home. So, I mean, we were fortunate enough that um, Tracy did go back to work when Ella was in first grade and Ava was in fourth grade. So stayed home eight years and w- we were able to do it. Once again, did we have, you know, a lot of things? Did we take Disney World vacations? No, we didn't do that every year. We did it one time, but not every year. Um, but I think, you know, for us, we just kind of looked what was important and everything else. And what was important at that point was for Tracy to stay home. So everything else kind of really didn't matter. Like, you know, unlike anyone, when that guy pulled up next to me in a BMW, it's like, yeah, I'd love to have that car. And I told myself I could have it, but things would have to change. Either A, I'd have to get a higher paying job, B, I'd have to get a second job and never see my family, or C, Tracy would have to go back to work. And none of those things mattered at that time. So she eventually went back to work, is working full time now. I mean, now with one in college, it definitely helps. But, you know, for us, um, you know, part of our story, of being able to prepare for that baby was actually preparing. We did have time. And I think that's the big key. Just mention it. You do have time for that $233,000, you know, over the course, but you do usually have time to prepare. So I think that's the biggest thing is like, what do you want it to look like? And you have to envision that. Don't just be like, oh, I'm pregnant. Nine months later, the baby comes and you don't really give much thought to it. Most of us have that time of like, do I want to have options? Do I want to stay home? Not everyone wants to, and that's fine. You have to do what's right for you and your family. And that's kind of what we did. We just analyzed what is the best fit for us. And, you know, I'm so happy Tracy did it for the girls, but then also, you know, for her sanity. (laughs) I will say at that time, she was a first grade teacher. So, I mean, going and teaching six-year-olds all day and then coming home and taking care of a baby, that would have been really tough on her, I think. So like we just made it work for what was right for us. But once again, I I think it's just that open line of communication and you do what's right for you and your family. Mm -hmm. I love that. It's such an impressive story. And one of the keys that I think I took out of that is um, priorities. Part Mm -hmm. of really preparing uh, for something like growing your family is prioritizing. Right. So to your point, you would have loved to have that BMW. You would have loved to have, you know, whatever else it was, but you said my priority is being able to grow my family and keep my family happy right. and sane and healthy. So I need to do what I need to do to prepare for that. Right. It's really admirable. Well, I mean, but once again, it's not right for everyone. And I think sure. that's where I, I try to like, if you don't want to say, that's fine. I don't, you know, you do what is right for you and your family. And I think that's where a lot of people, we get caught up and like, okay, well, you know, my sister-in-law did this and my brother, did, you know, and this is what we have to do. No, you have to sit down and figure out what it's your family. You're starting now to grow your family. So the, this is the foundation that you're going to start with of, okay, this, these are the principles we stand on, not our neighbors. The, these are what we represent. So I think it's kind of one of those grown up times too of like, okay, this is, you know, you you place what really is important. And that's when you start a lot of times. I mean, you know, we get into adulthood earlier in that, but a lot of times when you do have kids, 
life takes on a little bit different meaning than it did before because there is now something, there's this legacy that you hope to leave a good legacy behind. And we've talked about legacies before, but that's when, to me, it's kind of like when things, not necessarily get real, I don't want to say that, but it's like you're living for something else. You're not just living for for the here and now. Well, those priorities become a a bit more apparent, right? Yes, yes, yes. So I think, uh, you know, one of the things that you guys really probably took a look at as well is like, you know, if Tracy did continue to work, you would have to have daycare and what's the expense there and, you know, all the things that come along with that. And so I have another question for you in regards to your story. And that's that when Ella came along, what did you do to prepare for your second child that maybe you didn't do or that you had learned from your first? We definitely didn't take a lot of recordings of her, it seems like, right? The video camera, the first one always gets the most. Um, No, we just, you know, kind of continued to live the same lifestyle. And and we did know, you know, we wanted Tracy at that point, okay, we want you to be able to stay home until Ella's in kindergarten just for, you know, to to life. But like some of the things I did, I would work the after school program. So I would stay until six o'clock some days to earn a little extra income. Um, It's when, um, I guess, yeah, right after Ella was born, my first book came out. So that generated, so just little, like, I guess, kind of little side hustles in a way just to, to kind of earn a little extra to keep that going. But yes, you had a great point with the daycare. So at this time, so Ava was born in 2004. And at that time, teacher salaries, not that there are a lot now, but it really, it wasn't that much back then. So we really did analyze and I'm like, look, if we have to pay for daycare every single day, that adds up. Then I think about, okay, we're probably going to eat out more because you're going to be tired after working all day. So like we really did the math, especially just with the one child, we really didn't lose that much money because of overall of how much would be going out. So that's when like, and then with two, you think of two in daycare of how much more that would be. So really from a cost point of view, because Tracy was a teacher and not making a huge salary, then it really, I, I mean, I don't think we earned money, but I don't think really in the long run, we really lost that much because of all those other added expenses that would have come along with it. But yes, we had to take a look at that. So I think, you know, obviously, you know, if you're making, you know, six figures and stuff, then it's going to be a little different, but you do have to look at the cost of childcare and think of those things of transportation and clothing and food and all those things that come along with it to kind of get a true analysis. You know, you may not think, okay, I make this much. That's how much I'm sacrificing. It really not, it may not be that much, you know, when, when push comes to shove. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So now that we have how you went about preparing for a baby and even the second, mm-hmm. we're going to go over some actions you may want to consider when having a baby after the break, financial goals before your baby arrives. Connect with us on social media, search at Mentoro group on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, and LinkedIn. Welcome back. As most parents know, the first few months with a newborn can be a wonderful whirlwind. To help make those 2 a.m. feedings less stressful, there are some things you should focus on before your baby arrives. One item is to fully understand your health insurance and what it covers. Some questions to consider asking your provider would be, what are my co-pays for prenatal visits? Right. And those can, I'll say those, those can add up. I mean, because a lot of times, especially towards the end, you are going in lot, quite yeah. often. So yeah, they, you know, even if it's to know if it's $25, 30, I mean, you got to kind of budget those things in. Mm-hmm. Very good point. Another is what is my deductible? Mm-hmm. And I think that's a huge yes. one. Uh, how is my deductible applied? And then finally, how do I add my baby to my health insurance plan? Yep. Yes. 
These are just a small sampling of some of the questions you may come up with, but now is a great time to understand exactly what all will be covered. Yeah, don't wait until you have the baby when, you know, it, that's when it just, your life once again is a fun whirlwind, but yeah, yeah, a lot less time. So in addition, if your hospital bill costs more than you expected, you can request an itemized bill so you can check each expense and dispute any that you disagree with. And that's easier said than done. Once again, you're going to be tired, sleep deprived, but it is something that you you may want to take a look at it just to see if things you were charged for, you shouldn't have been. It's so, so important. My brother and sister-in-law just recently had twins. And as uh, per usual, twins came early. They needed mm-hmm. to spend some time in the NICU. And so the final bill that they received from uh, the hospital can't even was imagine. just yeah. would take your breath away. Yeah. But for good due diligence, my sister-in-law got an itemized bill and was going through and sure enough, found some things that, you know, people make clerical errors, things sure. happen. There's a lot of moving parts and all of that. But it was a matter of saving them quite a few thousand dollars mm-hmm. uh, because of the way the insurance took apart. So yeah. definitely important tip. Another action to consider is to build your emergency fund. While we recommend three to six months of living expenses be set aside in a savings account, you may want to save a little more. Right. I mean, you know, while most pregnancies and births go well, there are no guarantees. So you may have to miss work more than expected. So it's important to be prepared. Plus, if everything goes well, you may have extra in savings, which can help you afford that much needed babysitter or vacation. Yeah, but just be prepared. That's the thing. Be prepared, and that's what we ha- we talk about an emergency fund for. Be prepared for the unexpected, and especially you know when you're having a child, there's a lot of things that that are unexpected. You don't know, so just well, be prepared. And I think with an emergency fund, the you know the the rule of thumb is three to six months of expenses, and people tend to look historically. Right. But obviously, if you're adding more mouths and you're adding more people and yep. diapers and all the things that come with that, mm-hmm. your three to six months of expenses is going to be a higher monthly rate. Yes. Right? Yes. So, Yeah, Uh, take that in consideration, yes. Now is also the time to make sure your family is protected. If you don't have life insurance, now is a great time to get it. So, Danny, I know you've talked about this before, and you you know better than I because you have a a large family. But if you are going to be responsible... For someone else, like they uh, they depend on your income in order to eat and live, then it's important that you put the steps in place to make sure if something ever happened to you that they would be taken care right. of. Right, and that is like I said before, it's kind of really where like when you have that baby, it's like okay, uh, it's more about me now. And you know, you and Justin, I hope you have life insurance for each other. But mm-hmm. if God forbid something happened to Justin, you can still work. You know what I mean? You probably still would work, and you would have, and you would just be worrying about yourself. But when you have those kids, it's like okay now. Now I'm responsible for more than that. And like, if something were to happen to me, I want Tracy to be able to, to use my income to help pay. I mean, we still, you know, one in college now, one in high school. So maybe, you know, another college, weddings, whatever all those things will be. So that's just the thing that it's really important that, you know, you want, if your family is dependent on those two incomes, you want to have enough set aside to where if God forbid the unforeseen happen, then your family's able to go on and not you know, have to worry about the financial part of it. They can just solely grieve. And a lot of times people recommend like you get life insurance that's like 10 times your salary. In essence, you think you could like invest that earn percentage a year and it's almost like you're you're replicating your income. So, you know, just something to, to definitely keep in mind of. And when we talk, we've had episodes about life insurance. Look at that term life insurance. Whole life you can build into it, but most times term insurance is a lot, lot, lot less expensive. And then, you know, you use that additional money that you would have spent on whole insurance 
insurance and you invest that instead. So historically speaking, you'll be better off that way. But most important thing, I don't care what kind of life insurance you get. If you want to get whole, that's fine. But just make sure that your family is properly protected. Mm-hmm. Oh, and now is also, um, you know, when you figure out that insurance, now is also, if you are working, to, to make a plan with your place of employment. So some employers provide paid or partially paid parental leave. In addition, you may also be able to take the Family Medical Leave Act and that kind of entitles you're able to, to continue with your insurance and then go back after, sometimes it's like 12 weeks, it just depends on the, the policy. So, but be sure to check, you know, and you probably, I would think you should want to do this like probably before you even get pregnant, maybe like when you're starting to plan out the future, talk to your place of employment and just see what the options are. Yeah, I, I can't stress that enough because, you know, we're, we're still coming around to the European way of, uh, paid leave and what that looks like when you need to take maternity or paternity leave. And so a lot of times people don't realize that that could dramatically impact their pay. For example, if you had to go on short-term disability, usually that's only about 60% of your your regular pay, which when... As we've talked about, you're actively increasing your expenses. The last thing you want to do is decrease your pay. So you would want to have something in place to try to supplement that. Right. And statistically speaking, most of us are living paycheck to paycheck when you just go to – so then if you add all that. So yeah. So just like I said, before you get pregnant, now's the time to check because it may not – you know, you may have to put a, put off trying if it isn't the right place of employment. So just, you know, you, you want to have options. Like all financial things in life, we work towards having options. Right. Uh, so more on the FMLA, the Family Medical Leave Act. This act entitles you up to 12 weeks of unpaid leave with a continuation of group health insurance coverage. Upon returning to work, your employer is required to return you to the same or equivalent job position. Right. So it's important. I mean, these are the things a lot of times we don't think about when it's just, you know, you and your wife, you and your husband, you're young, usually healthy. So health insurance isn't something we think about. But then once again, we have, you know, probably for many people, this is the first major medical bill per se when you have a baby. So that's when health insurance becomes a little more important too. So it becomes real. Absolutely. And finally, update your budget. And I know you just kind of hit on this a couple of times, Whitney. So you need to start thinking about those things that Go along with the baby, diapers, wipes, maybe formula. And then in addition, if you plan on going back to work, you will need childcare. Now, before the baby arrives, is the time to start preparing for these expenses. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, I'm going to go off on a little bit of a tangent here. Okay. But um, during this time, a really common thing is to throw a shower. Yes. For um, the expecting mother mm-hmm. and and child, especially if it's the first child, which there's so much to buy, and it seems like with you know each new day, there's like more and more stuff that you need to have in order to keep the baby alive. It's yes. a wonder that we're all still here, uh, or yes. that we even made it here. Rather, right. um, but I, w- I want to make a note on like baby registries because I think that this is really important for the expecting mother. Uh, if you are in this position where someone is willing to throw you a shower or you you have had people who offer to help, um, that's a really wonderful thing and a luxury. And you should view this registry as something really important uh, to be able to get things that you need for you and your baby. This is not the wish list of, you know, $200 onesies and all the Gucci things. shoes. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 I mean, if. If you're fortunate enough to have people in your wheelhouse that will get those things for you, that is great. But Grandparents. Grandparents. <laughs> I would say the average person is not. Right. So if you want 
people to be able to to get you the things that you need. Keep in mind what it is that you're putting on your registry. And for those of you who have people in your family who are um, expecting a child and you want to help and you, you want to see what's on their registry, don't knock yourself out getting that $150 onesie, right? Get something that meets your budget. Go into looking at the registry with a budget in mind of something you'd like to get. And if there's nothing that you can afford, take a look at some things that are similar and buy them from somewhere else. The bottom line is that you're looking to help the expectant mother and and the baby. Another option is um, a few years ago, I had a girlfriend who had a little girl. And um, my friend and I were actually a little late and buying our gift truth be told and so all that was left was the big stuff and we said (laughs) what are we going to do so we decided just to go in halvesies and split uh the purchase of a diaper genie and so it was great because we were both able to stay within our budget and we had lots of fun giving our friend a poop pail so so there you go (laughs) win-win but um I do think that that's important because a lot of times we get consumed and the, what's the nursery going to look like? And I really wanted this color, not mm-hmm. that color. And we've got to have Sophie the giraffe and all this kind right. of stuff, which those are really exciting things that everybody should be excited about. But don't don't go crazy with it or ask your friends to go crazy with no. it. Well, <laughs> you brought up something that just, it is going to show um, how naive I was, but you said onesie. So <laughs> when Ava was born... I remember asking Tracy in front of my sister, I'm like, so when they turn two, do we buy a twosie? Like I had no clue. And they still laugh at me to this day. Like I had no clue. Like, like it, just makes, it still makes me laugh. I'm like, oh, so now, but, but I learned, I learned. So yeah, it's pr- pretty uh, funny, but no, I will say yes. But when you do talk about the baby clothes, I mean, they wear them six months and they spit up on them. I mean, really, they do not need – they don't need Jordans when they're a baby. So to me, honestly, some of the best presents we had – and I will say, and and it's it's maybe not fun, but like cash. I will tell you, money comes in handy six months down the road when you're tired – and really what you want to do is reconnect with your spouse and just have a night out at dinner and have a babysitter at your house. Mm-hmm. Like that is worth more than any piece of clothing. At least it was to us. So, I mean, mm-hmm. back to your point, just be conscious of that. Like really, I mean, I wouldn't buy a shirt if I was going to wear it for two months and spend a hundred dollars on it. So why would you do it for a baby that the baby doesn't care what they're wearing? They don't know what they're wearing. So right. it's one of those they're going to poop in it all the same. Right. And once yeah. again, the grandparents are there for that. Especially if you have the first grandkid, then, uh, They'll be taken care of. Don't worry. That's very, very true. (laughs) So that is definitely a lot to focus on and a lot that we've covered. But the good thing is that you have the time before your baby arrives to kind of get all of that in order. Coming up next, financial actions to take after your baby arrives. Like what you're hearing on Run With The Bulls? Ready to start your financial journey? Visit MyMentoro.com and use organization code RUNWITHTHEBULLS to set up your free account today. Welcome back. We just went over some things that you can do before your baby arrives. Once you become a parent, there are some other actions that you could focus on. Right. So first, prepare your baby's paperwork. So you should receive a birth certificate form to complete at the hospital. Try to make sure you complete it and give it to your nurse before leaving. You can also apply for your baby's social security number at the hospital too. Doing these two things can help eliminate headaches later 
And I will add, once you get those, we've talked about it before, they can go in that legacy file. We have it on the Mentoro site too, where you can just scan it and put it right in that vault so then it's stored forever. But, you know, we as adults, we know, okay, how often are you asked for your social security number? And it's when you're in the hospital, it's very, you know, you're, you're not thinking there, but very important to get those documents. Such a good reminder. Another is make sure you add your child to your health insurance plan. Yep. You typically have 30 days after his or her birth to do so. This gives you time to get home, get settled, uh, but don't forget about the important step. Yeah, for sure. And then now is also the time to review your estate planning documents. While no one likes to think about death, what would happen to your child should you and your partner pass? I know that's horrible to think about, but it has happened. So you need to designate who would take care of your newborn should this happen and make it in a legal form. Mm-hmm. And while college planning is probably the last thing on your mind at this <laughs> yeah, point, yeah. the days are long and the years are fast. Setting up a college savings plan now will give you time to have compound interest work its magic and get you into the habit of saving for the future. Yeah, I mean, uh, right now, so it, it, it definitely helps to, to prepare as early as possible. And then finally, stay on track financially as a family. Give yourself some grace the first few months, but then it's important to get back on track. Go back to the basics and make sure your financial house is in order. And if you need help, we've got you covered. Just visit MyMentoro.com to get started. Absolutely. That does it for this episode. Please check us out on social media. We are at all your usual places. And if you ever have a topic you'd like us to cover, feel free to email us at podcast at mentorogroup.com. Whitney, thank you so much for chatting and thank you for listening. Catch us next time as we run with the bulls. Run with the bulls is sponsored by Mentoro and hosted by Danny Kofke and Whitney Queen. Learn more by visiting mentorogroup.com.